Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Untitled Shiro. I have a good friend on the show today. Faith Mabera is a senior researcher at the Institute for Global Dialogue, a foreign policy think tank. Over the years, Faith has become a key person in providing input into various African affairs, having spoken on local television networks such as ENCA and radio stations. Um, I'm so glad to have you on the show, Faith. Welcome. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to what is starting to be a very interesting conversation. Oh, most definitely. I, I definitely think this is going to be a really good one. For me, you've been someone who's uh, been doing a lot of interesting work, um, focusing in on the African continent. Uh, so why don't you start by introducing yourself and a little bit about what you do? Okay, sure thing. So as you've said, I work as a senior researcher in a foreign policy think tank um, here in um, South Africa. Um, I've been doing this for the past five years. Um, joined joined right after university, and just to to give um, listeners an idea of the kind of work that we do. So basically, our think tank looks at key issues of we look at um, geopolitical an- analysis, we look at foreign policy analysis, we look at things to do with um, African diplomacy and and the African peace and security landscape and the Latin America and Caribbean region and and, um, just international affairs also from the the point of view of um, regionalism and interregionalism. So that's that's what um, our focus is and my specific um, competency in the the companies that I deal mostly with the foreign policy analysis and um, particularly a focus on um, African diplomacy and African foreign policy. So um, essentially, our organization has a very Afrocentric uh, perspective to to analysis. And uh, so it's it's interesting because the nature of the work means that essentially I straddle the two worlds of academia and um, policy analysis and act as a bridge between the two. Um, that's essentially and and provide. Um, the the evidence backed um, information and research to policymakers, right? And and what got you interested in this field, um, Faith? Are you um, were you always interested in African affairs, um, African matters, um, political matters, or was it just a a chance landing? So it, there's a bit of an interesting backstory here. So um, believe it or not, I actually wanted growing up. I wanted to be a medical doctor um, had had it all planned in my head and used to play the, the works used to play with toys and and play doctor games all the, all the while while I was young so everybody was pretty much certain that I was going to end up doing that but as life turned out um, at the moment of joining university I missed out entry entry into med school by a by a few points, and I was redirected into biomedical sciences. But before joining, um, after after counselling and and um, talking with parents and um, and my older brother, we we sort of he sort of asked me a very interesting question and said, "But why don't you consider doing international relations? Because all along, anyway, you've also been equally strong in the in the in the humanities." So. Why don't you consider that mm-hmm. career? It, and and from for him who 
who was in the legal field and he said he's seen friends who have, have been have done it and it seems to be something that's going to pick up and become more relevant from an industry perspective so he suggested that i should maybe look into it and, and i i switched up into that um specifically a bachelor of political sciences with a specialty in international studies and the rest as they say is history yeah definitely and and did you have a sense of what your career would be like or um did you just have a very narrow-minded uh, sort of concept of what political science could lead you into in the future so it's interesting because as a young fresh um undergraduate student you enter into a field like that with a bit of naivety in the sense that you there's so there's the idealized notion um and typically everybody goes for the glamour options the the career diplomats the ambassadors um working at at the UN those were the sort of archetypical career options and yet there were so many other options there's there's, there's what i'm doing now which is which is in the think tank environment there's so many options that you launch into but i think um as 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 anybody else who was getting at it from that perspective i think we all sort of looked at it from the perspective of, oh everybody ends up being a career diplomat and yet when you mature and when your options become clear and you know where you're heading as as i matured along and as i completed my studies and did my postgraduate um degree i think it just became um even even more clear that um what i wanted to do was get into um research and 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 analysis and and get into um an engagement that's not necessarily in academia per se and and what was life like um as a student in trying to figure out that process or getting to that point of not being so naive about um your your archetypical um career path i think it 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 involved a lot of support and i think also what shaped my perspective to a large degree is that um when i was still in undergraduate um just immediately after i finished it let's say when i when i did my when i graduated and now was was doing the, the the first year of masters i think what helped me is all along i'd been involved in the department of political sciences i started out as a tutor so that meant interacting with the younger students and that meant also exposure to the faculty and to other uh, i would say visitors and senior students and after having conversation and and several interactions i think talking to everybody and just taking in and and their experiences and their insights i i became uh, very certain that i based on my experience and and uh, i didn't and and just the, the whole idea of having taught a bit here and tutored a bit here and and helped with, dealt with students and being in that um university environment i i was sure that i didn't want to be there for for long um i think i wanted to venture mm-hmm. out into what was um what was available the, the range of options that were available to me and and i think that exposure particularly as a tutor and as an and as a assistant researcher and assistant program manager particularly in the in the masters of diplomatic studies program at the university helped shape um some of my decision making around career options okay um and how how did you end up coming through now to sa what what led you to 
to move over to South Africa? Was it because you felt there were potentially more opportunities aside, um, given you wanted to study um, international relations? Because um, I would think Kenya would also be a, a hotspot for, for that career path. So to an extent, so the international relations uh, department here, in my opinion, was more established and offered and, mm-hmm. and had a, a, a longer history um, and tradition. So that was one element. And it, it also the fact that I was keen on doing tertiary here, my tertiary education here, I think, um, fit into that perspective very, very well. Um, it was not at all mm. like a hard decision to make, but the decision to to leave Kenya at, at a young age and come here, I think, was motivated also by the the circumstances at the time. Was that, as you are aware, obviously with Kenya, it was we followed the older sort of uh, British inspired system where you you finish high school essentially and you you when you sit so you sit at home um, and only join university at, in September the following year. So I think I did not yeah. want to waste the the eight eight nine months um, just doing nothing. So I, I took my shot with right. coming and doing the bridging and getting into university and just um, getting right onto it. Right. Um, and and through tax, you you've talked about the program um, being quite established. Uh, what what measures were in place to or people um, were there that inspired you or mentored you or guided you through your undergraduate program and actually postgrad as well so having having worked in the department as i mentioned starting as a tutor and so if you do as 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 it turns out so if you if you put your best foot forward and you sort of create a very good impression with the seniors and they they're obviously more open to welcome to giving you whatever opportunities are there and pointing you into the right direction. So as it happened is mm-hmm. that my the person I think who also really helped and 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 ensured that I I made the right decision was my former supervisor who was also the program manager, um, Yolanda's piece. And just having her guidance and her her counsel at that time um, while she was still my supervisor and when I told her that um I really wasn't gonna stay in the academy. Uh, and I wanted to to go out there and 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 get into the the research field. Um, she was very very supportive of the idea, and she said, "Sure, why not?" Mm. But I suppose also, um, and this is just my own um, take on the matter, is that after having done my own little research on just the intricacies of getting into um, the diplomatic corps in Kenya. I I sort of mm. just had second th- thoughts about it because obviously there's it was not a clear cut path um those it was it was one that was um, laden with a lot of uncertainties and there was also that I was also not clear on on if it was what I wanted and what if I ran into a, a roadblock ahead and and I've already set myself up so I, I figured let me go with this option that would um, potentially open up into other. Um, different avenues in future, and I'm and I'm happy to say that I'm I'm glad that that was the choice that I made. I'm now looking back five years um, later. Yeah, and 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 what was the transition like from student to work life? Was it easy to find a job? Because I ask that because um, traditionally, uh, 
I know there was there I know a number of people in the field who have not been able to actually work in that um field that they studied in international relations political science so why do you think it is difficult to get in and and what was the process like for yourself so, so i think it's it's right in you saying that we should definitely uh, talk about the context that we are in and, and the reality that we are in i mean south africa being one of the countries with the highest um unemployment rates particularly for 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 graduates so the, so here you are you are a fresh graduate and there's this uh, big um world out there and you're going very optimistic and i i must say i'm i'm very blessed and favored in this regard because um i i was uh, pointed to the interview to an interview now at the, at the company that i'm working in and i signed up for 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 i put in my application i went for the interview and lo and behold i think a month later i got an offer so i'm one of the really blessed individuals um and and favored individuals who um by god's grace i didn't really struggle into getting into the whole um going um tamaking and 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 looking for work to a large degree that that was was um a grace and 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 favor in that regard and in terms of the transition experience i think um it's it, it was not completely difficult i mean sure it has its challenges because your mindset now is one of professional and you you you're getting turned away from the student mindset but it was not a difficult experience it was it was a, a a very positive learning curve because as being in the think tank environment meant that i was not 100% divorced from um the, the just the the minute of um academic and and writing and and analysis and 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 all those the, the rigorous um, activity that comes with that kind the nature of the work so that transition was not terribly hard for me to adjust to um so faith you've had quite a bit of success um i i would say you've had quite a bit of success in your field um you've become quite recognized and almost sort of a go-to person for commentary on things happening in and around um our continent um on tv on radio stations how did that all come about so that there's a funny story to that it's not as easy or as um effortless as as one would think so the funny story with this is how i got up on how i got introduced on those platforms is i remember my first tv experience was with the now defunct uh, ANN7 and i was i was a nervous wreck um they called me to i think it was commentary on some on goings i think in the DRC and i always consider that actually as a stepping stone because in as much as the viewership at the time was not that big and the audience wasn't that big but it 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 sort of got me to deal with the nerves it got me to be able to give an analysis in a very um concise manner and it was it was my training um ground so to speak so after that um it just so happens um obviously in the industry that i work in they are trying to also tap into um voices sometimes some of this uh more experienced or the older um academics and practitioners are not always willing to mm. go maybe on radio or on tv so i've always looked at things as 
um, if, if I'm going to say yes, then it must be a very enthusiastic yes. And if I'm going to say no, um, I also need to say no, maybe in the interest of time saving. So whenever I've said yes, I've looked at it as an opportunity to try and, and bring in a, a view or a perspective that is not your run, your run of the mill, that is not um, something that is cliche or something that they've had before. Try and bring a very mm. nuanced perspective or analysis. So I think over the years, um, it, it has been a good experience. It has been a, um, one of where you, where you, you, you say yes, um, rather than saying no, maybe not. And in saying yes, you, you embrace it wholeheartedly. Right. And I recently saw, I think it was a tweet of yours that you, or maybe a tweet that you had liked um, about how African African researchers or African um, political thinkers are not being involved in a lot of the commentary of international politics um, things when something happens in say the US um, with trade relations with China um, African commentary is not always added in there what, what what do you have to say about that so I think it just be- begins with the, the so there's a very there's a common um, proverb that says that um, as long as uh, until okay let, so actually let me get this correctly so until the lion um lands to write his own story, the tales of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. So let me just say it again. Until the, the lion uh, lands to tell or to write his story, the, the the tales of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. So coming from that perspective, it's the question of portrayal of agency. And Africa um, being portrayed as this backwater, as this marginal place where it's just doom and despair, and yet we have our own channels of agency. We, we, we have our own mechanism and our own adaptability levels. And it's, and it's a matter of being given that platform and being able to articulate, even though we live in a very Eurocentric um, sort of environment. And, and it's interesting because all around us, there's been gatekeeping to a large degree on, on even the narratives that get told or the ones that get covered in the mainstream. But um, regardless mm. of that, I think it's the challenge is, is for us to be able to create our own avenues and to to articulate it, to even get into par with and 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 excel in delivering the message. So that was the core message of that, and and how that came about was the discussion, for instance, of so so we are all aware um, at this point in in 2020 and the black swan of the COVID-19 pandemic, and what, what has been also um, and, uh, happening in the U.S. with the largely Black Lives movement and how they've, they've now spread globally and become a global phenomenon, and just what is happening with with with, um, with the U.S. Um, and and the fact that it's 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 the question about um, its hegemony in decline and and to a large degree, if if so if tables were turned. Um, as has been historically, we've seen the Eurocentric, the Western-focused media, how they would, they've been reporting, for instance, on on Africa and, and portraying it as oh, this is just one more bad story. So there was a joke, there was that joke on Twitter that what that Africans should also be able to cover what's happening in the US as they have been covering us, and to be able to give them advice right. from all these years that we've been we've been also covered and and being portrayed in um, almost a disparaging manner. 
Yeah, it, it's definitely, that's definitely right. Um, th- There's a lot of smart people on the continent that um, can definitely raise very valid points that should be taken into consideration um, at, at that global scale. And I love that quote, actually. That's a really good quote. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on how important female representation is in the industry you're in. And perhaps even a step further, uh, black female representation in in um, your area of expertise. How 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 do you think that plays out? So it's 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 one of those things where I think every industry now and and we have to look at things from a gendered analysis in the sense that even the kind of frustration and the kind of systemic issues that are being challenged now um, and are being put on blast at the moment, at, even in an industry like ours or in a specialty like ours, it's it's essentially a microcosm of the larger phenomenon. So it's not as if we are accept or exempt from from seeing the, the, the frustration, seeing the idea that even with women um, particularly, and, and here I'm talking obviously as a black female uh, positioned in Africa, writing about Africa for a global audience, being able to mm. shift that um, locus of of um, enunciation, uh, being able to to immerse myself from a decol- in a decolonial sort of um, environment, and it's not been easy because at some point, obviously, you 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 get head on with, or you get affronted. With the reality of, of the the Eurocentric, the very um, racialized, very um, almost um, parochial and very paternalistic um, attitudes of colleagues, um, and 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 also this idea of the global north versus the global south um, is also very one that's that becomes um, apparent as the more the more you get immersed into the 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 experience and the writing and the field so it's the idea of as a black female you're in that position where you have to go um, above and beyond and just um, Mm. be able to meet all your um, responsibilities um, exceed you learn to you learn that you learn that the best position for one to be is to be in a position where you actually exceed expectations that has certainly been my experience but I choose I choose to look at it as a double challenge. So it's even it's mm. an even more pertinent and even a more pressing um, impetus for for, and for excellence to a, to a large degree. So I don't necessarily look at it as and 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 I don't allow myself to be victimized by that notion. But it certainly has been my experience yeah. um, to a large degree. And is that more um, your experience on the continent or is that, you know, because I mean, you you get to travel quite a bit um, as part of your job to a lot of different corners of the world. Um, Is that an African experience um, where you feel like you always have to prove yourself um, at African tables or is that a global thing where wherever you are, um, whenever you're presenting your views, you feel you have to try above and beyond? Is that a global thing? It it is definitely a global thing. I wouldn't say it's it's particular to the African um, context, but it's 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 so it's this idea also where I've seen. So you're right in saying that a lot of the activities, for instance, when I engage in, I, I go for a lot of um, 
conferences and and workshops and and um dialogues and it's interesting how even in some and and this is one can argue that it's slowly uh, starting to change but i've observed that in some instances you have um, a panel or, or what we um jokingly called manels where it's a, it's it's a panel of experts and like the entire the entire lot is just males and not one um one female voice is being given uh, the platform and yet ironically sometimes some of the things that that um they're discussing do needs to have a a a, a, a gendered perspective and that's just completely ignored to a large degree until maybe one audience member or or a female points out and says but have you considered looking at it from this view so that has suddenly been been my experience and it's one that's global um and it's one that um i think there's there's a lot of need to to counter it there's a lot of need to to craft avenues and to rise above that kind of of um constriction to a large degree um so faith uh in your industry um who have been some of the female black excellence that you've been able to look up to so i think for me what what I, what really inspires me is i've looked at some some of the the the, the ladies that i follow on twitter um who are black female and they're not necessarily in in the field of ir but i think what inspires me about them and i'm talking about for instance somebody like um nanjala nyabola or dr wandia njoya who's who's considered who are both public intellectuals in kenya but they rangely speak on a on a on a, on a lot of global and and african issues i think what really inspires about me is just their prolific um contributions and how their the ability to just craft messages that that are able to reach um a global audience on very pertinent um issues of the day to a large degree but i think somebody who i consider uh was you know um an icon and and still remains an icon not only of the time but until now is the late professor wangari mathai who was the first um uh laureate african laureate uh women laureate and and for her work with the green belt movement and just some of the the visionary ideas that she had for africa um and for africa to break free from that victim mentality and and for, for to exercise its own agency not only in the issues of just environmentalism and and environmental justice but also issues to do with with democracy and issues to do with political rights and all these things and i think she's 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 still definitely an icon um to a large degree and her legacy is one that uh, i think a lot of a lot of people in kenya um would would um would be remiss not to constantly uh, memorialize definitely she she's definitely an icon in that way um faith so speaking about um icons you know you in the future one day um will be wherever you are and someone will probably look to you and be like I want to be just like Faith <laughs> um you know so what advice would you have for those people who are um young females in the industry in your industry who are trying to crack into um the non-typical sort of um you know diplomatic work or um ambas- ambassadorial work but looking to really make a difference in um 
the policies and the um the research aspects what advice would you have for them well uh, thank you jen that's a very kind um thought um that you have and i certainly pray that um that happens when they looking back um i'll be able to to gladly say with a lot of humility that it happened so um i think the important thing and and here i'm going to touch on a concept um that have has sort of become a very key um framework for me and, and has informed a lot of the thinking that I do. So it's a, the Japanese concept of ikigai. And there isn't really a proper English translation of ikigai, but the, the, the notion of ikigai um, espouses the idea of purpose. It's this idea of what gets you up in the morning, what drives your your life, what what are you t- working as, as an individual and, and with purpose and with destiny and all the, those things, what would the prime motivation mm. The, the essence the, the core of um of the essence of your motivation your your why it's it's essentially questioning your why and yes. i think what i find interesting about that is that in asking myself what my ikigai is and if i have found my ikigai it's the idea of being authentic to a large degree because there isn't another another duplicate of me so mm-hmm. i think it's 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 starting from the point of view of everybody is blessed with um certain unique um as attributes that you bring and 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 you, you're able to contribute it's a matter of tapping into that it's not always easy because of the ch- of the challenge and the, the nature of the human experience but it's it's the idea of being authentic to to oneself and also the idea of of um constantly challenging myself to move beyond and not to be caught up in this very contemporary notion of oh we are just consumers so to always move towards being creativity to a large degree and to always accept that excellence is not um a matter of um it just happens it's 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 a slow steady dedicated process it's daily and it's steady habits but it's also as a result of constant improvement so never being a, not mm-hmm. never being afraid to unlearn in some aspects um to 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 unlearn what uh uh erroneous maybe beliefs or, or one one which are misplaced and also to be able to learn to always have that appetite for learning and and to also put aside the blinders um in life to al- always being being the inquisitive person and and the nature of our, of our um work and and expertise demands that because it's the question of for instance you look at let's say if you're looking at here i'm giving an example maybe you're you're engaged in analyzing a particular um key global development and even if you look at a news story maybe that's that's being focused it's always being being able to question the narrative behind that and being able to identify the meta narratives being able to to identify the nuances in a story and and being able to capture that in a very um eloquent manner in a manner that it's that is um pertinent and in a manner that um you can be able to communicate not only just for the knowing for the audience that you need to communicate that but to be able to also try and look beyond the conventional uh, to a large degree so not being afraid of being um unconventional i would say that is absolutely great advice um i love that term um it's definitely something to live by uh faith i want to thank you for your time today um you're always so insightful thanks so much for joining thank you for having me jen <laughs> <laughs>